You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation, and welcome to Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host, covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at allsaintsconsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners and to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the jump. Huda family, and welcome into the final episode of this week here at Locked On Saints. Got a quick one for you today to help you get ready for the matchup between the Saints and Bucks on Sunday. We'll start off with an injury updates for both teams teams as an exciting prospect returns to practice for the Bucks. Then we'll take a look at the position group analysis from week three to week four to see how Coach Payton's game plan for Teddy changed against the Cowboys. Then we'll wrap up with a quick film study or a quick look at my film study uh, that I did for Sheldon Rankin's return and what I expect to see from him moving forward. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints and Bucks both updated their injury report after Thursday's practice heading into Friday. And for the Saints, it's much of the same. Both Drew Brees and Trey Hendrickson did not practice. Drew Brees, of course, as we expect, recovering from the thumb injury. Trey Hendrickson suffered a neck injury against the Cowboys. So unsurprising at this point to see him uh, not participating in practice. Uh, Von Bell, Will Clapp. Uh, Cameron Jordan, Andrus Pete, and Traquan Smith all continued as limited participation. They were not elevated and did not have their status change. The only status that changed for the Saints was JT Gray, who went from did not practice, elevated to limited participation on Thursday. So the big names here that stand out, of course, Von Bell, Cam Jordan, Traquan Smith. Those are my big three on this injury report. All three of them still remaining at limited participation. So Friday, today is going to be really sort of the big telltale sign in terms of what we're going to see from them. Will If they are upgraded to full participation, I expect that we'll see them on Sunday. If they sit at limited participation, then that could potentially make those guys game time decisions. Cam Jordan being limited participation, I am almost certain that he will find a way to play. It is a calf injury. Uh, Even if he's limited on Friday, he's probably the one that I feel most likely will still get out there and play on Sunday. If he does not, then the Saints are really not in a good position in terms of their pass rush and their edge rushers. The only edge rusher that they have remaining on their roster then would be Carl Granderson. The only other option for them would be Mario Edwards Jr., who's been inactive for most of the games so far this season. He can play in the interior. He was signed as a defensive tackle, but he also has some experience off the edge as well. So he would be the next logical sort of stepping stone at that edge defender position if Cam Jordan had to be out. But again, I very much expect to see him out on the field. Traquan Smith is probably the one that I am least convinced that if we don't see an elevation of full practice that we will see him out on the field. He was limited all week last week and did not participate. So I imagine that if he is limited today on today's injury report, then we will not see him during Sunday's game, or at least there's a higher percentage chance that we won't. Von Bell, I sort of put in Cam Jordan's category. If he is unable to participate, however, then you're going to see probably Chauncey Gardner-Johnson step into his role. That's going to be a pretty big shift for this Saints defense. Uh, Von Bell has improved incredibly throughout this season uh, as a deep safety and in coverage. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson doesn't have that same coverage prowess, but he is very much still a box safety that can play you know, from the second level inside your defensive end and make some plays in the run game. 
game and also make some plays as a pass rusher. So they won't lose that element with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but it will be certainly be interesting to see how they counteract losing that coverage ability deeper along down the field. JT Gray, if for some reason he didn't participate, then you can expect probably to see Saquon Hampton active for the first time this season. And then Andrus Pete, if he's unable to go, then I believe that then we'll see Nick Easton fill in at the left guard position as Eric McCoy holds down the center. Now, let's jump over to the other side of the field here, or the other sideline rather, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had some pretty key elevations, uh, two of which really stand out. Shaquille Barrett, who went from did not participate on Wednesday, was limited on Thursday, and then Chris Godwin, the wide receiver, also did not participate with a hip injury on Wednesday, was limited participation on Thursday. So you saw them both get elevated. You saw them both take one step closer to being out on the field. Wide receiver Brashad Perryman, who's still dealing with his hamstring injury, did not participate both times. Now, the big name here for me when it comes to these guys, of course, Shaquille Barrett is somebody that you have to be concerned about on the offensive side of the ball. If you're the New Orleans Saints, you have to be concerned about him with your offense and game planning either away from him or just finding a way to keep him limited. He has been absolutely on fire, as, you, as you've heard many, many times, uh, many, many people talk about throughout this week. And then, of course, Chris Godwin, the wide receiver there, if for whatever reason he was even hampered, that's going to make the secondary for the Saints job a little bit easier. No Knowing that he you know, might not be able to be that guy that can entirely take the top off and be super explosive uh, in this offense opposite Mike Evans and allows you to focus down a little bit more on Mike Evans to try to make the team as one-dimensional as possible. Now, the big news for the Bucks is Devin White, who returned to practice for the first time this season with an MCL sprain, uh, limited participation on Wednesday, but elevated to full participation on Thursday. Now, if he gets into the game on Sunday, I don't expect him to be a huge factor. It would be his first NFL action. So I wouldn't expect him to be, you know, this guy that comes in and is the Deion Jones of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right away. But certainly if he gets on the field, he does make the Tampa Bay defense better than if they didn't have him. Now, the Tampa Bay defense's weakness here is still going to be the secondary. So I still expect, even despite all of these injuries and all these elevations for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to still continue to have the issues that they had. Jamel Dean did have an ankle injury. He was limited on Wednesday, but was elevated to full participation on Thursday. But I I still expect to see the Saints attack this very weak secondary in Tampa Bay, and the injuries are not going to change that. All right, y'all, before we move on, we talk a little bit more about personnel grouping analysis as well as Sheldon Rankin's return to the game on Sunday against Dallas. Let me tell you a little bit about Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. Go to Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off of your new subscription. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it, and sometimes I get this gut feeling about a matchup and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team regardless whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time my bookie is your best bet this season if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay for instance if you like a couple of the big matchups this week parlays are perfect because they will let you bet on multiple games together for a much bigger payout so if you're gonna bet this season do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, the start of the NBA and NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sidelines and get into the action. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on those sidelines. Get into the game at mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie is going to double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, 
you get paid. All right, Huda Nation, I want to jump now into this week four personnel grouping analysis. So we talked about the difference between the personnel groups last week, so I'm not going to go over that again, but I'll try to remind you sort of as we go through. Now, we looked last week at week three, Teddy's first start versus week one, the start at the top of the season with Drew Brees. Now, here's a couple of things that we now know for context going into this analysis. We know that Sean Payton mentioned that he kind of scaled back the game plan in Seattle a little bit because of the weather. So they didn't throw the ball as much. They relied on the ground game a lot more. They used those two safety sets a lot. And all of that stuff is very evident when you look at the personnel groupings with the difference between the game in Seattle in the rain against the Seahawks versus the game in New Orleans in the dome against the Dallas Cowboys. So just as a reminder, when we look at 11 personnel, one wide, I'm sorry, one running back and one tight end with three wide receivers. Last week against the Seattle Seahawks, they ran that formation only 21 out of 50 times, so less than 50%. This time around, this past week against the Cowboys, they ran 62 total plays, 45 of which came out of 11 personnel. That's 73%. Now, when you hear that the Saints sat in three wide receiver sets for 73% of the game, you might be a little bit more apt to believe that they really focused on the passing game and that they really went to the air a lot. And there is some truth in that. The Saints did go to the air a little bit more in this game than they did against Seattle, where they really relied on the ground game in the rain. However, when you look at the breakdown between pass plays and run plays in 11 personnel, it's actually not as heavy pass as you think. It was only 56% pass rate out of this personnel group, 44 uh, for the run, and they had a far more successful run rate than they did. Well, I wouldn't say far more successful run rate, but they found success on 50% of their runs, averaging 4.8 yards per carry out of a total of those uh, 20 rushing attempts coming from 11 personnel, whereas over on the passing side, they found success in the past only 44%. So that it goes to show you a little bit that maybe, yes, they did show the pass look a lot more, but it didn't necessarily lean on it out of the pass looks. They continued to run the ball through there. When it comes to the passing plays and how uh, Teddy Bridgewater fared on his 25 dropbacks on those pass plays out of 11 personnel, he was 17 for 21. That with a 72.4 passer rating, no touchdowns, but the one interception on the scramble and the drop from Ted Ginn Jr. 6.1 yards per attempt, 7.0 air yards, and four sacks during that time. So again, did not really focus much on the pass out of there. And honestly, when they did go to the pass, wasn't super successful. I mean, 17 of 21 is nice. You're still moving the ball a little bit, but when you're talking about averaging 6.1 yards per attempt, eh, not really what you expect to see when you're talking about the game through the air, but a little bit more about what you expect to see from Teddy Bridgewater. Now, when we look at the two tight end sets in this instance, the Saints only played nine two tight end sets. That's very different from last week where you saw them play 21 different snaps with at least two tight ends on the field, sometimes three, or I guess one time three, and that was that goal line rushing touchdown. So when you look at the Saints and their 12 personnel, one running back and two tight ends, they still, even in that look, ended up being a little bit more pass heavy. The exact same breakdown, 56% pass rate, 44% run rate. However, 100% success rate when it comes to the run as they average 3.0 yards on the ground out of 12 personnel. So that's exactly what you expect to see with two running, I'm sorry, two tight ends.
weapons on the field. The Saints also went with two running backs seven times. That's 11% of their offense. And then they went with one wide, sorry, one running back, zero tight ends and four wide receivers only once. That was a pass rate of one of one. So 100% there for eight yards. So they didn't do a ton out of that formation, but they did show that formation for the first time with Teddy Bridgewater. We did not see that formation uh, last week. Now, when it comes to the two running back sets, again, pretty much the same split once more. 57% pass rate, 43% run rate, 67% success rate on the run, 3.3 yards per carry there. And then they were three for four through the air for a 94.8 passer rating, 7.3 yards per attempt. So with two running backs on the field, they were actually able to pass in terms of their success rate a little bit better than what we saw out of 11 and 12 personnel. So now what does all of this mean? Let me contextualize all this instead of just throwing numbers at you and saying, okay, great, we're done here. (laughs) But to contextualize all of this, we're seeing the same and uh, Sean Payton start to open up this offense a little bit more for Teddy Bridgewater. We can't expect every game to look like it looked in Seattle to where they're just going to run the ball over and over again and find success there, especially against this Tampa Bay Bucks rush defense, who is you know first in the NFL right now with just over 52 yards per game allowed. That's it. They're doing outstanding uh, defending the run game. So this week, it's going to be a big task for the Saints offense to find another way to get clicking because they're not going to be able to rely just putting the ball on the ground. So with that being the case, you might expect to see Teddy Bridgewater pass a little bit more and kind of get outside of that comfort zone uh, and get a little bit more involved in that because of the fact that, look, here's the here's the the, the, the truth here. This the Bucks secondary kind of sucks. The Bucks secondary doesn't kind of suck. Actually, the Bucks secondary sucks. And so this is a good opportunity for Sean to continue to open up this offense a little bit more and let Teddy Bridgewater take some more of those shots and move the ball downfield through the air. I know Teddy Bridgewater doesn't care about the stats. He only cares about the wins. But look, if you're not going to be able to run the ball, you need to be able to move the ball through the air if you want to win. So this is the time to open up and this is the time to really get that offense moving through the air. Now, am I expecting he's going to go out there and throw for 300 some odd yards? No, absolutely not. But this could be his first game over 200 yards just because he has an opportunity here to take advantage of a really, really atrocious secondary that Tampa Bay is going to be putting on the field. The key here is just going to be getting the ball out quickly because that Tampa Bay pass rush, especially if Devin White is back, they're going to add him to the pass rush as well. That's no joke. So they are going to have to get the ball out. And as we discussed the other day, when Teddy Bridgewater does get rid of the ball with less than two and a half seconds or less than two and a half seconds from snap to throw, he is much more efficient than he is when he holds on to it. So as Deuce Window would say, pull the trigger, Teddy, and be ready to go against this Tampa Bay defense. Take advantage of this week's secondary and put some of those yards up and help this team get a win this Sunday. All right, y'all. Up next, we're going to take a quick look at the Sheldon Rankins film study that I did for his first return to action against the Dallas Cowboys in the Dome. We got that coming up for you right here on Locked On Saints, your team every day. All right, Huda Nation, we are wrapping up today's episode. We're taking a look at Sheldon Rankins. Did a little bit of a film study on him. Watched his 38 snaps to see how he fared in his return to NFL action on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. First of all, we need to just announce one more time and acknowledge one more time that Sheldon Rankins got back to the NFL and got back to playing a pretty hefty share of snaps, 38 snaps of the Saints defense. I believe it was only 54 they only played this week. It was less than 60 snaps for the defense, the fewest that they played so far this year. Just they did a great job getting off the field. They He played more 
snaps at defensive tackle than any other defensive tackle on the the team. He played more than David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle, and Malcolm Brown. I think he played more than Malcolm Brown and Shai Tuttle combined. I might be exaggerating, but 38 snaps total uh, for Sheldon Rankins. And so he did all of that in eight and a half months from injury in January to returning the same calendar year to get out there and actually be pretty effective in this game. Some of the things that I saw from him, his mobility is good. He's very comfortable. He's starting off all of his snaps essentially stretching and, and he's starting off from a very flexible place before the ball is snapped and as they're making their adjustments and then he comes back up into his three-point stance and gets after so I love the fact that you're seeing him get really comfortable with his body make those uh, you know stretch out a little bit continue to rely on his flexibility and trust his process and trust his trainers Karen Loftus was on the show yesterday from WGNO and she mentioned one of the things that she t- that uh, he had talked about Sheldon did with uh, Alex Okafor who came back from an Achilles injury last year at the beginning of the season was that Sheldon Rankins was told you have to trust your doctors when they tell you that you're ready to go you are ready to go and he definitely looked like he did exactly that he was told you're clear you're full go he went out there and he didn't hold back he didn't concern didn't look like he was concerning himself about re-injuring or uh, you know potentially making things worse or or whatever he went out there and he just performed and I think that's one of the reasons as Karen Loftus said I agree with her that we saw Sheldon Rankins much more than I anticipated we'd see him I thought we were going to see him for maybe 15 snaps give him an opportunity to see how he feels under full game speed, but he was out there making an impact. So he didn't win every snap, of course. He didn't come out there and just dominate uh, the way that he did before his injury. But even as he said, he's feeling like he's going to be able to get back there. He's you know still got some kinks to work out. He's got some rust to knock off, and he's going to get back there. Some of that rust was evident. You saw him lose leverage a couple of times. You saw him just kind of get moved or bulldozed. No, I wouldn't say bulldozed, but you definitely saw him get moved against his will a couple of times. High hand placement, high leverage leverage, things like that that allow the offensive lineman to get lower than him and take control of where he needs to be. But you also saw him playing that sort of Chris Paul facilitator role, taking up blockers. I posted a photo of a lane that both he and Shai Tuttle opened up for Demario Davis on a uh, on a, a tackle in the run game that went for no gain. And he and Shai Tuttle both took care of their guys. Shai Tuttle actually picked up a double team on that one and did not get moved at all, but occupied those guys, did not allow the offensive lineman to move them to open up the hole up the middle. Instead, they separated the offensive lineman, giving Demario Davis enough time to split the to split a different hole himself, and then get into the backfield and make the tackle on Ezekiel Elliott. That's a lot of what we saw from Sheldon Rankins in 2017. 2018, we saw him get a little bit more of that sack production, uh, you know, produce a little bit more as a pass rusher, something that sort of stepped his game up. He still showed that a little bit. He had a couple of pressures, including a quarterback hit, to where he just absolutely demolished an interior lineman on the way. But definitely encouraged by what I saw from Sheldon Rankins during his first 38 snaps of the season. And again. It's very small sample size. We'll see what happens. But he's not dealing with the best offensive lines coming forward. I mean, I I think Dallas is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And he was able to produce Rusty coming back into his NFL action for the first time in eight and a half months, playing his first full speed game and only playing a fraction of the game, but playing more than we anticipated and was still able to make a big difference in this game and was still able to produce for himself to where he should feel comfortable moving forward. So moving forward, what is it that I expect to see from him? I don't expect to see him lose that leverage ever again. I mean, of course, it will happen, but I don't expect it to come as easily as it did for the Dallas Cowboys offensive line as often as it was easy for them uh, this game, this past game. Uh, Look, Sheldon Rankins is, when healthy, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, top five, top three, depending on where you look at him and depending on who else you classify as a defensive tackle, but he's up there and he's one of the better ones. And so when you get him out on that field and if he's able to truly get back to 100% with with, with what I saw, 
uh, on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys, I think he's going to have the ability to get back there. You know, we usually see a little bit of a drop off for players that come back from an Achilles injury, but not always. I mean, we saw Alex Okafor perform very well last season when he came back from his Achilles injury. We're seeing the Philadelphia offensive lineman that got hurt in the same game as Sheldon Rankins. He's performing valiantly as well. So it is not at all out of the ordinary to take this game and take the action that we saw from Sheldon Rankins on Sunday and apply that moving forward and say, yeah, he's going to get better and he's going to look really good as he continues to move forward. I expect that we'll see another leap in his in his game this coming week. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers do like to run the ball. Uh, Rojo has finally stepped into that running back one role for them over the committee that they've been running over the last couple of years. So exciting to see that for anybody that might be a USC Trojan fan. But when you're a Saints fan, what you're most concerned about is, is he going to be able to produce against the Saints? I don't think so. I'm not really, I'm not feeling good about Tampa Bay's run game this week with the way that the Saints have been playing. Uh, in their front seven. Their front seven has been eating, and that defensive line in particular has been great. And now you throw in a Sheldon Rankins who's now got a game under his belt who's going to be coming into this game even more comfortably than he did against Dallas with one of the best running backs in the NFL. And he was able to make a statement then. I expect that we see an immediate leap or another step forward, let me say it that way, for him against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that he continues to progress throughout this season. And again, some of the things that I think you're going to see him clean up, he's going to get back to that pass rusher quality that he was last season. You'll see that probably that might take a little bit longer, but I'll just say expect to see some shimmies uh, coming up soon. Expect to see some shimmies coming up soon. He's not going to give up that leverage. He's not going to get tired as he did. Uh, you're going to see him on the field a little bit more. You're going to see him wearing down offensive linemen because of his activity and his hand moves. You're going to see all of that, and he's going to continue to expand that and get all of that back, and then you're going to see the Sheldon Rankins, I think, that we saw last season, if not at least the season before that, and then maybe next year he gets back to that pass rusher level, but those are some of the improvements that I expect to see, and I'm really encouraged by the things that I saw him do week four against the Dallas Cowboys. All right, family, that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you so much for joining me here throughout the week. We had another huge week here at the podcast, so thank you very much for all your support and making all of that possible. This has been absolutely incredible, and this game, this team, rather, continues to be super exciting, so I hope that you'll stick with me as we move forward. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. I appreciate all of that support, and then, of course, if you're going to the game this weekend, have a blast. Be loud early. Get in there and affect that game. Show your boys some support, and of course, got LSU this weekend. We got Tulane this weekend. We have the open practice for the Pelicans this weekend. So much going on in New Orleans. Make sure you check out that open practice on Saturday. I think you can catch it after the LSU game since the LSU game is a morning game and you can catch the uh, live stream on Twitch for the Pelicans practice. That is going to be commentated uh, by Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans and Caroline Gonzalez as well from New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelicans and their website. So make sure you check them out and enjoy a weekend chock full of Louisiana sports. So that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much as always for coming through once again. I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're momming them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.